Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. When it comes to driving ethical behavior in organizations, many ethics and compliance programs are beginning to focus more on leveraging company values than relying primarily on rules. That trend is growing rapidly. In fact, insights from the 2023 Ethics and Compliance Program Effectiveness Report that LRN puts out every year validate a central lesson which is that the most effective programs, those that take a values-based approach to governance and culture and leadership, correlate strongly with reduced risk and better business outcomes. But what does taking a values-based approach look like in practice, particularly if you are a multinational organization? And how do you talk about it with a wide range of employee populations? Hello, and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Divers, the Director of Thought Leadership and Best Practices at LRN. Today, I'm joined by Gabriela de Castillo, the Director of Ethics and Compliance at ARCA Continental. Welcome, Gabriela. Hello, Susan. Thank you very much for the invitation and the opportunity to share with your audience all the experiences that we have had here in ARCA. Thanks so much, Gabriela. We're going to talk today about the importance of creating a respectful workplace and the role that ethics and compliance plays in developing ethical culture. Gabriela is an expert in this area with over two decades of experience in legal compliance and corporate regulatory affairs. Gabriella, let's jump right in. Before we start talking about the work you've been doing lately in ensuring a respectful workplace at ARCA, can you describe your ENC program and the ethics and compliance challenges you face in your business and operations? ARCA is a major soft drink bottler in Mexico, and it has many frontline employees, so it would be helpful to also touch on the challenge of reaching and engaging all of your employees? Well, Susan, the Ethics and Compliance Office is relatively new. We started creating the structure in 2018. Before that, the audit department, the internal control department, and also the communication department were in charge of some of the functions of the compliance area. In 2018, I entered the company and I started creating some new processes and designing the structure and reviewing the work of these areas. For example, we have done some improvements on the hotline and all the report system and dedicated too much time to review the way the ethics committee investigate and decide our reports. All this function has the support of the board, especially of the audit committee, and not just the support, but the supervision and the guidance of the audit committee. We have real commitment from our board to continue with this work and improve all the initiatives that the company has in place. 
the first three years of this uh, department, we dedicated to improve the report system, as I said. We changed our provider of the hotline and we reviewed very carefully the work of our ethics committee. We have ethics committees in every country and in some countries we have more than one. For example, in Mexico, that is a very broad territory. We have five more in different geographies inside Mexico. Also, there is a central or corporate committee that reviews some kind of reports of some of the VPs or directors of the corporation and also from the country. We dedicated our attention the first three years to those subjects and also to review the work and the controls that we have in place regarding anti-corruption, anti-bribery, and anti-money laundering. That Those are the basic subjects that an area of ethics and compliance dedicate to. The next three years, we started working on more complex subjects as antitrust and data privacy. And recently, we are working on respect and harassment. And I believe we are going to talk a little bit more about that. There is a continuous effort to improve the speak up in the company. I think that is basic to the ethics effort. and. Also, to be sure that our reports are investigated in the right way and the consequences are applied consistently between the countries and between the operations. That has been the focus of this cycle, of these three-year cycles that we are right now. We have a, a challenge, an important challenge, and you mentioned that we are a big company. 90% or 80% of our workforce are frontline workers that are not in an office, but driving on the street. That is a difficult inherent to our business because our drivers doesn't have many touch points with corporate communication. So it's difficult to reach them, but we have initiated communication strategy since 2021, trying to reach all of them, we have been very creative to do that. We also have a special training for them. And it's the first time we have a global effort to reach them and to train them with the same messages, ethic messages, with the same content. The last year, we reached 70% of our frontline workers. And I'm very proud of that because it was a huge effort from many departments in the company. Gabriella, that's very impressive. It sounds actually like you've been there 10 years from all that you've done. And reaching 70% of your frontline employees is a goal that I know many companies wish they could achieve too. Let's turn to your focus in your ethics and compliance program, where you've really been transitioning away from relying principally on rules to drive ethical behavior and focusing more on values. Can you tell me what led to that transition? Well, Susan, rules and enforcement continue to be an important part of our work here in ARCA. We still dedicate a lot of time in developing our policies, in improving our hotline, but also in parallel, we're working in our culture 
and in our values because the two approaches work for different purposes regarding ethics and compliance. For example, when we work on rules and we improve our policies, we are approaching to the best behavior that are deliberately committed. Let me be clear. When a person misbehave, they are just afraid about consequences. They are thinking if they are going to be caught and if they are going to be sanctioned. So you need very clear rules that state that you are going to sanction those activities and they need to see that the system works, that the investigation and the reports are taken seriously and that we apply consequences to all those behaviors. So we still need to work about rules and about the decision-making process of the ethics committee to assure this person that there are going to be consequences. But for people or for behaviors that are on gray areas or for behaviors that are not black and white, you need to have values and you need to have communicated to your associates be clear about the impact of the behaviors on the company. So when this person faced a situation that is not clearly bad, this person can make the right questions to define how he needs to behave. So those gaps are filled by values. So you need to work in parallel in rules and in values to cover all kind of situations that you can face. So for values, we need a different strategy. You don't need policies or you don't need controls. You need more communicate, create awareness, train. You need the leaders to incorporate in the language those values. You need to incorporate that language in the operations routines and operations communications. At some point, you are going to be in the environment of the company. So you're going to be part of the culture. The associates are going to face those values every time they are taking decisions. So that is more complicated than creating rules and than investigating and applying consequences to bad behaviors. But it's something that makes a difference and also created different values for the company. For example, we see clearly that those values help us hiring people, attracting talent, and also retaining them in the company. That's a very solid example about how values related to ethics and compliance can have an impact in the operation. Thanks, Gabriella. That's a really excellent way of thinking about rules and values as complementary and playing different roles in the company. And I've been very impressed with the work that you've done in the area of anti-discrimination and anti-harassment, because I know that's another example of what you were just talking about, because you're focused principally on building respect civility, and kindness as the basis for discrimination and harassment. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you came to take that approach? 
Yes. To be very honest, Susan, I approached the board with a very traditional strategy for harassment. And when we were presenting that to our CEO, he was the one who said, we are not working on a regular harassment strategy for Latin America because we have harassment effort in the U.S. operations from long time. But we needed to have a global approach and to have an initiative for Latin America. But he said, no, we are going to build on respect. We are going to have a broader approach to this subject because we can create value if we start talking about respect in our company. We don't have that much cases about harassment or discrimination here, but we have these minor disrespectful behaviors that can really hurt the company. And we also have these uh, kind of behaviors that are not black and white, that people doesn't get very well if they are misbehaving or not. But those gray areas, we need to address them. And they are not harassment, but they also create harm in the company. But he also said there was a lot of opportunity to create value from this civility treatment between between us to respect in the interactions, daily interactions that we have between associates or with our clients, with our providers. And he viewed respect as a common ground between our operations. We can have different views about what is harassment because we have some cultural and generational differences that could make us think different about what is harassment and what is not. But when we said respect, when we say respect, all of us know what are we talking about. We don't need to write a definition of respect here, he said, because we all are going to understand at the moment what is respect. So that's our common base, and it's easier to start communicating from this word of respect than communicate about harassment. That was his view, and we got hit at the moment, and we started working in a multidisciplinary team. And when we started working, we, we realized that harassment, we didn't have those cases about harassment and discrimination. There were few cases about this, but we start analyzing these minor disrespectful behaviors that we have and the number of behaviors in, and we realize that we have a lot of these disrespectful, minor disrespectful behaviors in our operations. And that was an opportunity because that really creates a bad workplace environment for everyone. And also we start reading some papers and talk with some experts about this value of civility. And also we reviewed our service, general service between our associates, and we find out the younger generations, especially the younger generations, were asking for a more civil environment, a more civil interaction between associates. So everything makes sense. We needed this approach for so long, and the CEO made us clear for us where was the path that we need to take. And we are working on that right now.
That's, again, very impressive to take the approach that focuses on the minor things that can lead to major problems. And you were saying minor disrespectful situations. It's really a slippery slope that can then, if that's accepted, can lead to much more serious problems. But also focusing on civility in the workplace, I think, is helpful for everybody in the company. Tell us a bit more about that, especially for the benefit of other companies or ethics and compliance professionals. How did you go about it? What's the reaction of your employees and what have been the biggest challenges? Well, Susan, we choose this broader scope for our respect strategy and that implied complex project. So we created this multidisciplinary team with experts from many departments of the company because we needed a different approach, different than the traditional compliance approach. We are not only creating policies, communicating and training the associates, we also are changing business processes and HR processes. We are creating new roles for HR functions. We are creating new responsibilities for business leaders. That's a non-traditional approach to this compliance issue, especially when we are analyzing these behaviors that we want to promote, because these strategies make clear that we don't tolerate harassment or discrimination. As I said, we are trying to create value from respect. So there are behaviors that we want to promote. And the way to promote behaviors is with a different kind of approach. The training is not the traditional training or e-learnings. We need to use more role plays and expert talks. And we need the leaders to cascade some behaviors and we need to hear from experiences from other associates. So it's a very different approach to the training. And we also are relying on leaders to create this learning environment for their teams. So for us, it's really important to train the trainers. And we are starting with the highest leaders in the company in this process of cascading all the concepts, the techniques, the principles that we are including in our respect strategy. But we also are writing a new policy. This new policy is not only going to cover the harassment issues, but it's going to be written in a way that reflects our concept and definitions about respect. We are going to include these behaviors that we want to promote. As an example, we see as a pillar of respect to have effective communication between associates. So that's a behavior that we are going to develop and we are going to train here in ARCA. This training path is also very complex and it's going to last at least three years. We are going to approach different audiences of our associates with different kind of activities. It's a very important initiative, the training and the communication. But there is a lot of enthusiasm and confidence in us. Some of our colleagues have reached us to say that their teams are 
excited about the idea of having this new approach in the company that they believe that the workplace is going to be better. It's not bad right now. I, I need to say that many times. They are sure that we are going to have an impact in our workplace. And as I said, new generations needs to have a nicer workplace where to work. I'm not saying that my generation or the previous ones are used to work in different environments, but we were raised by tough leaders. We get used to them. And I'm not saying that it's right. I, I think that's one of our main challenges to try to explain people that an effective leader doesn't need to be a tough leader. And I think that's one of our main challenges, culture and generational issues in our company. For example, this approach to leadership as a tough guy. So we need to teach leaders how to have difficult conversations in a different way, how to have negative feedback in a very civil way. Those are the plans that we have. I have hope that we are going to have a great impact in our workplace. Well, it certainly sounds like it. It's very impressive the way you've tackled the sort of traditional bosses have to be tough guys stereotype, helping people recognize the limitations there and really working with them so that you increase civility in the workspace. Let's turn to your ethics and compliance program as a whole. At LRN, we always see ethics and compliance programs as works in progress. It shouldn't be static. Your program should evolve and adapt and improve over time. Where are you on your journey and what are your highest priorities currently? You're right when you say that it's a work in progress. We haven't worked in all compliance areas yet. Here in ARCA, we are still working, for example, in this new harassment strategy. So there is a lot of work that needs to be done here. We have different levels of maturity in, in the compliance issues here. For example, anti-bribery and, and anti-corruption is a very mature subject because we have dedicated many years to work on those controls and those policies. And there are other subjects that we are working very hard, but they are still evolving. And some areas that we would like to review in more detail. Our level of awareness is very different also between countries, between operations, and also between frontline administrative associates. That is because our main efforts have been in educate our administrative associates. But as I said, with this new approach, we are reaching the front line in a very creative ways in the very different operations that we have. Also, I'm very proud of the training that we have prepared for them because we are really sending that common message to all our workforce in the five countries. I think we needed this common approach to this subject of ethics and compliance to prioritize all the subjects and talk about the same issues in the same countries. 
And with this different approach, we have reached, as I said before, 70% of our frontline workers. That's really, really a lot of people. I'm very proud. And we have a lot of work still to do. This communication campaign that we have designed, especially for these next three years, is going to last at least 24 more months. We have a calendar for this communication activities, key messages for each year. That is a lot of execution and operative work that we are going to work, to do, but we have seen the results in the service that people is right now more aware about the, for example, the ways they have to report a situation and not only aware of, about that, but we also have improved the survey, specifically in the questions that refers to confidence on the report system and the hotline and the answer of the company. That for me is the best evidence of the good work that we are doing regarding communication and training, that associates have more confidence and we have solid numbers to show that. And also we have seen an increase in the monthly number of reports over the 2022. So there are 18 months of continuous increase in the number of reports that we have received. And for us, that's good news because the maturity level of our company in this ethics and compliance area, in our maturity level, it's a good sign to have more reports because that means that the associates are speaking up. And that's one of our goals, to have all our associates to report the things that they can see that are against our code or our policies. As I mentioned before, we need to be sure that ethics and compliance and respect and the other subjects we're working on become part of the culture of the company. And that's very difficult task for us, very difficult goal, because you need to continue working on communication. You need to persuade the business to speak your language, to use the terms that you want them to use, to include those concepts and principles in their routines and their communications. And that takes time. But I think we have the support that we need. I think we are getting more confidence from our associates that is going to show us real good results in three years. I'm sure about that. And we also have are writing a new code in that effort to make ethics part of the culture of the company. I think the code is going to be a very important effort to communicate ethics as part of culture. So that's also uh, in, an initiative for this 2023. At LRN, we always say your code of conduct is your culture written down. That is a really important step to take. Gabriella, we're almost out of time. So let's close with one last question. What you've done has been a tremendous amount and clearly very impactful in a relatively short space of time. What advice do you have for other companies that want to shift to a more values-based approach and really take a long-term view of their programs the way you have? Yes, Susan. I remember what our CEO said, that 
respect make easier for us to develop this strategy and talk about harassment and discrimination. And that is because when you are in a multicultural corporation as we are, respect or any other value create a common ground, a common understanding between all the nationalities and cultures. So that from this common ground is easier to build the strategy and to talk later about more specific subjects as harassment or discrimination. So when you build from a value, it's more easier for a multicultural company to develop your strategy. We don't need to explain too much what respect or value is. It's a common ground that we need to take the advantage of this common understanding about values to develop strategies. The other thing, uh, or our second understanding, is that civility, and that is the value that we're working right now, creates value for the company. It's not just that we are going to avoid cost, avoid litigation, or avoid reputational damages. We are going to have more creative, motivated, more productive workforce. That's add value to the company. It's not that our CEO is very intelligent, that he is, but that he's also been subject of many research and papers from experts at the universities. There is enough evidence that this more motivation and more creativity and more productivity, you get that when you improve your workplace with more or a more civil approach, with more kindness, with more respect. And there is also evidence of, of the contrary. There is enough evidence that when you have toxic workplaces or when you have disrespectful workplaces, when there is a lot of harassment in the workplace, not only the people is going to leave your company, but the people who is going to stay is going to be less productive is not going to be more afraid of giving opinions and that is going to be reflected in your performance and in your results. But we are not just avoiding this cost, we are creating. And this creating of respect of civility is also going to help us with the retention problem that we have with the rotation and we are sure we're going to hire more talented people and the people who is with us is going to stay with us for more years. The third thing that I want to say is that uh, respect is circular. And that means that when you treat in a civil and kind way to one of your colleagues or your associates that have exponential effects. And that means that you are going to behave in the same way in your house, with your client, in other environments. And at the end, we can have also this beneficial effect on our communities. So that's creating value. And that is one thing that we want to pursue. I love that analogy to a virtuous circle that... If you embrace respect and kindness in one area of your life, 
it has a spillover impact both into families and in hopefully into communities. That's a great note to end on, Gabriella. I could have this conversation with you all day, but we're out of time for today. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Thank you so much, Susan. And I hope I can share with you the results of my respect strategy. Thank you. Definitely. You've got to come back and let us know, maybe in six months or a year, the impact you've had because your whole program has been so impactful. My name is Susan Divers, and I want to thank everyone for listening to the Principled Podcast by LRN. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.